Thanks for listening to this episode of Fluff and Crunch. And today, Chris and I are going to focus on what we like about the 2 die 20 system. Maybe you could use some of this to recruit more players, move them from the dark side to the light side, whatever. But that's our focus. What we like so much about 2 die 20 Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. All right. Hello, Chris. Hi, Jeremy. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Good, good. Have you done any gaming since we last recorded? Yeah, this is going to the thing where we, where we this is where we get sh- confused when did we yeah i know i know always. so we show our age and go uh hey it's not that it's just because both of us have a lot on our plates that's why it's not like early mid- midlife senior moments all right had i played exalted when we last mm-hmm. i think i had i played you yeah, were we talking about pouring a bucket load of dice onto yeah. the table so no i haven't because we recorded last friday and i played on a thursday yeah so, no i have done a lot of planning i this is another thing we could have done for an episode, but I wanted to leave it. Um, I Obviously, I was being angsty and couldn't decide on a system to run a League of Legends game for Annie and Mika. Having decided that if I was running League of Legends for Scott, I knew what I would run that in and realized I was going to do them separately. I have written my own... I say written is a... It's like... Oh, it's about 10 pages, actually. I, I wrote my own system. I just... I literally stole bits from here and here and here put it together and I have my own system that I'm running league for them over the summer. And I've planned, planned out a 10, a 10 episode thing. Ideally the most of them only take about an hour. So we'll do it while we're in the car and stuff. So there we go. So that is, so so I haven't played anything, but that is what I have done. Hey, you know what? That, that might be a neat thing to, uh, to put out there to people at some point in some form. I took a lot of help and some of the stuff you said, like kind of things like just, you know, know your audience, basically our last episode which does then mean if this comes out before... I'll schedule our... it so it'll be magical. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> this, we are masters of time This episode needs space. to come out after the last episode, the Axe DGM. Um, yeah, I took some of the advice on that. I, like, I, I, I did it for my audience. I only, made, I only really made their characters. I didn't worry about having a really super detailed character creation system because I didn't need it. Yeah. Um, and I did what will work for the, the the setting i want to play and then we'll work for well i literally like the dice mechanic is i was like annie what dice do you want to roll d8 right there we go okay so it's, a, so it's a d8 dice pool system because annie wanted to roll d8 and also that made sense mika said d20s we're gonna be playing in a car well d20s don't stay still right flatter D8's yeah do. larger flatter uh, not, not flatter yeah. but larger larger uh sides actually would make for that's exactly. a good idea you so. can call it the date system the D8 system. Oh, uh, anyway, so there, there. So I haven't played, but I have planned. I've Good. done a lot of planning, actually. So how about you? Uh, I have not either. I, uh, I, I've done some reading and some planning, but I, um, one of my players, one of my three players was sick last weekend. And so I was going to get together with the other two. And I just, I was exhausted. And I just looked at myself and I said, you look tired. And so I contacted them and they were totally nice and understanding. So we, we actually did not get together this last weekend. I did, however, pick up recently the Star Trek Adventures tricorder box. I gave in. I gave but in. But you already have everything in it. Shush. I didn't have the green dice. 
Now I have everything in it because I own the thing. Uh, no, actually, it, it's nice. The Rules Digest, again, is a, is a great example of the evolution of their, their skill at writing rules that are concise and understandable. The mini campaign that, come, uh, that comes with it I was interested in. And um, anyway, quit making fun. Uh, so have done no gaming. We'll do so. We will. We will continue our Vegas baby uh, Vampire the Masquerade Second Edition campaign this weekend. Probably have two more sessions left. They're about to find out the big thing. And have so you the pre-ordered the? Sorry, I thought you finished. No, go ahead. Have you pre-ordered the new Star Trek thing? No, I have not. I have neither pre-ordered the. I have neither ordered the Discovery book, but I'm 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 getting closer to to doing that. Even though I hate that show. Because it has a lot of original series stuff in it, apparently. I have not pre-ordered the Utopia Planitia Shipyards book because I'm going to order both from my my local game store because I want to support cool. the dude. Um, Excellent. So there we are. So we're, we're right, good. Be- before to- we get on to the main bones of this episode, you've got something else you want to talk about. Yes, we finally, after talking about it in our goals and dreams for year two of this this podcast, we talked about launching a Discord server, which we did. Uh, and so in the notes to this episode um, from our, our podcasting page on Anchor uh, is the join link. So I'm going to put a join link there that's good for a long time. And uh, what we're looking for, what we're hoping to, to, to do, and we've already got some people who have joined and had some, some good conversations. We'd love feedback about the show if there are things you want us to talk about. But also, we, we're interested in connecting with people who are interested in system setting and story, harmonizing those three things together in their games, and just sharing ideas. Um, I have, I'm under no illusions of this becoming like the big thing or you know a bajillion people joining. In fact, I don't need that. I'm just looking to connect with more people who, who share our general view on, uh, on, on gaming. And thus far, it's, I've had some really great uh, conversations with people. So, uh, if you're interested, join. That'd be really cool. You know, it'd be really good in the Discord. People that are actually in your group, give them a different. Can you give them a, like a role, which would again give them a different color? Sure. No, no real reason for that. It would just be handy to see which people are in your. Because three of the people in there are in my group yeah. now, and then I have another guy that I used to game with a ton years ago that just life schedules have precludes that now. I'm going to invite him as well. So, okay, sure. Like, these are the people I actually, I know what they look like. Yeah, I just, just it would be cool to, if I really should invite Scott, well, Brian, Scott doesn't use Discord, but Brian would. Okay. Um, and then I could give them a separate role thing as well. So, yeah, that would be, that'd be cool, just to be able to visually see. Yeah. You know. Because some of the initial comments were about those guys talking about something to do with an adventure. And obviously they, they, they knew what they were talking about. Of course, everybody else was like, we don't know what you're right, talking right. about. Right, right. Yeah. It'd be, it, so color coding and giving roles so as to, to make clear sh- the inside baseball people. Yeah, I assume when you give someone a role, it, that's how you can color code people. So Okay, I could I'll figure it out. I, and if you're listening to this and you're a Discord server expert, I would love for you to join and give me tips because I am a Discord server neophyte. Yeah, see, like I've run Discord servers for literally me, Scott, and Brian. And like, I, I've written bots for that. I've written like Java script code to like run dice. Like I wrote a really detailed 2D20 dice roller because 
2d20 is a pain in the ass to roll yeah, dice for you can't just use someone else's dice roll so i wrote my own one which i could do you know whether how much momentum you're using and all this kind of stuff that's cool um and it would tell you how many successes and things you've got uh so i did that um but like i did that for my own servers i don't know how to then put that on somewhere else and how to right. serve that off my computer while i'm playing so what you're saying is that to some degree or another you're you're a novice in this stuff too yes okay yeah, especially the... for managing a community yeah i haven't got a clue yeah. okay all right so if you have a clue you should join and you should contact us that'd be great but today we're going to talk about because we realize we actually have not done this. We've done it in bits and pieces, but we haven't done it in a coherent whole. So we're going to do this in a concise, co co coherent whole. We're going to talk about what we like about 2D20 in general and why you should be playing it. Yeah, because I think that's how I pitched it. I was like, why don't we do an episode on why 2D20 is our favorite system? Yep. Um, and even though, I mean, the, if if you've been if you're a long time listener and you hear me say that you might be like how can you say it's your favorite system Chris when you haven't played it in over a year and it's like well because you know I like the system now that you know a lot of it's been pushing other things have got in the way or I've played other things I mean, I've spent a lot of the last year playing sort of classic fantasy which is the one thing that 2D20 right. doesn't do yet but it is still when I, when, you know, when I've over the last any two years where I've looked at, right, what would I want to play such and such in, 2D20 is often the best answer. I happen to have come up with things like supers and high fantasy, which at the moment it couldn't do because it needs those bolting on. I also yeah. haven't found another system that can run it better, though. So um, I didn't, well, well, we'll get, we'll get yeah. through it. But yeah. well, my, short, my super short answer is because 2D20 does everything I want. There we go. All right, well, let's talk about sure. that in detail then. What What's something that, so you say it does everything that you want. What is one of the things that you want that you believe 2D20 does particularly well that you would you put it above another system? Um, I, I like the fact there's quite a lot of player agency. So in a lot of other systems, you know, your, your player agency comes down to, uh, I want to do this thing. The GM tells you what dice to roll. You roll those dice, and then you you succeed or fail, and that's it. And there are there, there are systems where you can kind of do what two d twenty does, where maybe you give yourself a better chance beforehand, or there are systems where you can, you know, like you fail so you can re-roll. Um, but I think the way that sort of momentum and threat works really does give you this much better thing of this role is super important. I really really need to make sure I do it or uh, kind of there's a scale of that oh i i quite need to i'm gonna i'm gonna use one momentum that we've got to try and improve my role to the oh i really need to do i need to do much better in this i'm going to give a bunch of threat to the gm because then this is going to give me more dice so then i've got a much better chance to play in the role to the i've really got to pass this role i'm going to use one of the you know the infinity points or the determination or the, the magic you know you only get them two in a session kind of points a lot of other systems only have that they only have the the two you get them two or three in a session and once they're gone they're gone kind of thing or maybe you get them back um or like you know you're playing fate where you only get those points if you have bad things happen to your character to generate fate points you know that kind of thing um or you know that in this the whole point is is that if you want to have extra dice on your roll you can always get extra dice on your roll um every time every single time now there's a downside to that 
which is then the next cool thing, which we'll come back and talk about. You know, there's a cost to that, but it means that to me that's uh, that's why I really like it. I would point out, just I'll come straight back with the downside of that. That's why I really like it for playing with like Scott and Brian, people who understand that and don't mind that gamey element of it. I wouldn't do that with say Mika and Annie who might get stuck in an analysis paralysis of, oh, well, should, should I buy dice? Should I not buy dice? Or they don't buy dice and then it's every roll is too hard or they're always buying dice and then you've got, you know, so I think with the right players, I think that's, that's one of the reasons I really like it. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely on that in, in that player agency for... Player agencies in, in two ways, from, from a, a story standpoint and from a, a game standpoint. And I'll address the latter first. Um, th- obviously, there are times when you know as a player and your character would know this is a clutch moment. Like This is an important moment. And for the story to be satisfying, it needs to go this general direction. Or I don't want it to go that direction. Like I don't want to fail this role. And being able to in different ways, increase the odds of being successful, I think is, is essential for those moments. You never want probability to screw up your story. And sometimes random elements and random results can make for interesting uh, story outcomes, but there are times when they don't. And like, I love the fact that fortune or determination, you, you buy two successes. You know, if it's a if it's a difficulty two, you you've already succeeded. Everything else is gravy. So in certain circumstances, you can actually, by virtue of spending one of those meta currencies, you can you can guarantee success, or you can mortgage a piece of your future, or use up a limited resource, threat, and momentum in that order. And I think from a game standpoint, being able to either establish the odds or overrule them essentially or stack them so much in your favor i think that's important because there are those moments the other thing now on the story side is all those meta currencies enable you to through establishing truths through doing things like okay i'm going to spend some momentum and knock you over i mean that's mechanical but it's also a, there's also a story side to it it enables you to to codify your description that actually has a a, a mechanical outcome and I, I love that none of the systems are complex in using those meta currencies. They do take a, a time to, to wrap your head around, but I think that you can, to use some teacher language, you can scaffold that teaching. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing. You, that stuff made it across the pond there, that, yeah. that, that edge you speak. Um, you can start off with, hey, listen, here are the couple of things that momentum does. And then you can add, and oh, by the way, you can always do that with threat too. Your determination does this thing. And then you add more to it. And then as the players become proficient with the very concrete uses of those things as mechanical um, options, then you can add the layers of the creating truths and whatnot. And there are other games that do this in some way. Like I think, I think 5e's advantage is really, really simple, but it's so limited. And it can yeah. be so dissatisfying. You're like, oh, I rolled two die two two 20s, I rolled a two and a five. That sucks. Um, well, also, you, know, you, vampire, can't, you can't give yourself advantage. No. Vampire... You can have, you know, if you have inspiration, you get advantage. But then it doesn't stack. So if you've no. got... if you, I want to use my inspiration, but I've also flanked this guy, um, mm-hmm. so I should get advantage. Well, you can't. 
Yeah. I and mean, you could house rules, so you could stack and, it. And technically, you're not supposed to. You either have it or you don't. You're not able to yeah. bank it. Yeah. Um, Vampire Second Edition, you know, you can spend willpower for automatic successes. Okay. So you can, to, to some degree or another, you can mortgage a limited and important resource, your current operating willpower, to get successes that you might need. Um, the new Twilight 2000, you know, all those, uh, the free league systems, they have that push mechanic that yeah, functions think, differently yeah. in different systems that allow you to be like, well, crap, that die roll sucked, so I'm going to take a chance. I think free league for the next, I mean, uh, quite a lot of systems have a way of either adding, improving your role beforehand or improving your role afterwards. Yeah. What a lot of those don't have is the control of how you get them. So like I say, in, in fate, you get more fate points by either playing into your character or having bad stuff happen. In Cortex, you get more plot points by rolling ones. These aren't things you're necessarily in control. Like if you don't have those points, you can't do it. Like in Savage Worlds, if you spent all your bennies because you've been using them to soak damage, which is what everyone uses them for, you can't use your bennies to get better dice rolls. Um, like I said, the free league one's good because every single time you fail a light yep. roll in, in free, you can choose um, to push. And there's a consequence yep. of pushing. And that's why I like this. I think the difference is, do you want, you have to do, you always have to choose beforehand. And I think that would be why one complaint. Sometimes you kind of think, it'd be nicer if you did the 2D20 roll and then decided afterwards, oh, it's more important. But there is a difference to, like in combat, you're not just trying to hit the guy. You're trying to hit the guy and generate the momentum. So you're going to try and go for the extra stuff. And then again, the momentum, then you can pass off to the next guy. Yeah. There's it, that, it, that's, a, that's another piece that I, that, that that was actually my next thing that I, I, you have the individual player agency, but you have this clean system whereby there can be group and player synergy. You have character yeah. synergy within the story that's a direct relation of your players working together at the table in ways that other games don't enable. Yeah. Like the last time I, last couple of times when I played Pathfinder Second Edition, it was so it was so stark the difference of like well it's not my turn all i need to uh, the only thing i can really do is look at my character sheet think about what i'm going to do next and maybe pay attention like i can't actually do anything or be a part of this in a way that 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 the rules complement momentum creates that yeah it, it creates an opportunity to bond a group together around shared action and that's yeah. that's i love that I think that I get the downside of that is sometimes you get what the kind of thing you see in a cooperative board game where you start agonizing, you know, every decision becomes a group decision. Sure. But you, there's, you know, you can limit that or just ask people, but it, you know, it is quite cool. You go, right. So should I use this momentum for, should I use this momentum for doing extra damage or should I hold it? So then the next player is going to have more momentum to work with. Yeah. And really that should be up to that player. It shouldn't become a group discussion every single time. Um, and it's not a long discussion, but I can imagine like in a big group, if you had six, I know if you had five or six players, then that could be a real problem. But five or six players is a problem in like every system. But sure. Um, yeah, definitely. Unlike, like I said, I didn't like being a player in D and D because I felt I was just sitting there and waiting for my turn. And even when the monsters go, like when the monsters go, they roll against your, you don't do anything unless you've got some special reactive ability. Right. Whereas, um, you know, at least this is an opposed role. So when you get attacked, you get to roll again. So I think you are definitely more involved. Oh, I, yeah, I, I like, um, I like that at the, at, at the table that you're able to, you're able to do that, uh, between, between people. What, what else, what's something else that you really like? I mean, to me combat, because one of the things, one of the biggest things I find in loads of role-playing games is the, 
the combat feels a bit dull. I roll to hit, I hit, I do, I do my damage. Roll to hit, do my damage. Roll to hit, do my damage. Right. In, in things where that's all you do. Okay, if, and, you know, and that still applies in something like fifth edition. Now, okay, if you're a caster, oh, I, get, I cast a cool spell. I cast a different cool spell. I cast another really cool different spell. And then you have that massive difference between being a spell caster who it's, it's overwhelming because you've got to know all these different spells and a fighter character who does very little unless you're playing something like a you know battle master, whatever they're called, who have all these cool different things. Um, but the thing is in 2D20, you don't need all these cool different little things. Okay, some systems do. Like if you're playing, um, if you go back to like your Infinity and Mutant Chronicles and Conan, you had talent trees with loads of other different variations on it. But the, the momentum and the combat dice gives you more cool stuff. I yep. hit, cool. How much men? I've got five momentum. Right, I'm going to roll my damage. All right, this I'm going to use this to. This is vicious. Cool, I do extra damage. Um, oh, I've I, I've got a you know I trigger another effect thing. Awesome. I'm going to spend momentum to get some. Okay, it does mean that combat takes a little bit longer, but it also means combat's more fun. Oh, I got a good roll. You know, getting a good roll means something. The amount of systems where getting you know, like in in 2d20. Uh, sorry, in in D twenty and five E, this is why I prefer Pathfinder. If you just if you roll a nineteen or an eighteen or a seventeen, it doesn't mean anything. You hit, right? You don't do extra damage. At least in at least in second edition Pathfinder, if you beat the AC by ten, you get a crit that way, so it's easier to get crits. I mean, I put that roll into five E, which means you crit all the time, but I don't care because it's fun. <laughs> you do more damage. Doing more damage is fun. The game's meant to be fun, so it doesn't matter. Um, you know, at least in something like it's like Vampire Exalted, if you get a really good hit roll, that probably gives you extra damage. Yeah. So that that's something. But this is more than that. It's like I can do extra damage, or I can do a second attack, or I can hit a second guy, or I can trigger this effect thing, which knocks the guy down. Um, you know, it lets you do all this cool stuff. The only other system I've seen close to that is, is like the, the the fantasy age system, but there it's based on luck because it's if yeah. two of the dice of your three d six are the same, the, yep. the differently then colored dice. Stunt. Yeah, you get to do the stunt, but it, it's, it's well, it, rules is written, it's random. The expanse system, and then I've turned out in the modern in the modern age mastery books, I was looking at the other day, they've also added this rule and there's an optional rule. You can choose to spend this fortune resource to alter the dice, which means you can alter one of the dice to mean then you have got a double, which means you, so basically you can, deli- you can try and stunt more often. Right. It, but when you were that made the system really much more interesting. Loads of time, oh, all right, but if I I'm going to bunch this up so I get this, I got enough stunting because it makes it more interesting. Every you don't know what's going to happen. It's not just I'm going to hit this guy, I hit this guy, I do damage, which gets boring. Okay, you can have the kind of stuff. Oh, I'm going to describe what I'm doing. It's really exciting. But even in Exalted, where you're, I'm going to describe this super awesome, amazing thing I do. The mechanics of that is just you. You get more dice. Yeah, and you could describe this super amazing, awesome thing and then fluff your roll. Whereas 2D20, the, the way momentum links to the combat dice and links to the rules means that combat is generally just more interesting. And I, you know, I like combat in my games uh, and 2D20 has, you know, some of the best combat I've seen. It's also, you know, I, I like, <laughs> I like too that and within combat, um, I like that your, your choices of how you, sp- especially momentum, how you spend momentum always has a cost. And it's not just, okay, I rolled, I generated, I was successful, I generated three momentum. Woohoo, that's great. And there are, let's say, two momentum left on the, on the, the pool or in the pool. There is always that question at the table. 
all right, should I use all, oh yeah, should I, should I, how many of these should I use or how many should I put in the pool? And I found actually that once people get the idea of how it functions, that moves quickly. Yeah. But your choices matter because yeah. you can choose to do more damage. You can choose to disarm, to knock down, to do more, whatever. You can, all those kinds of feet things from 5th edition or, or, you know, 3X, Pathfinder. All those nifty things that you typically would only get through a feat. Now, maybe some people would say, hey, listen, those enable niche control, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and by having anyone can disarm, anyone can knock down, uh, using these points, doesn't that destroy niche control? I actually think not, um, because in the context of you making that decision, you're you have to think about not only what you're doing, but how it might affect the next person coming up. And again, that's that that table conversation that I I find um, energizing. Uh, and it's fun. There's always that, go ahead, spend it, do it. Yeah, make it happen. You know, there's that <laughs> excitement. Or when you recognize like cooperatively, you know, that next person up, they can really, because, hey, my character knows. So I'm going to, knows what that, what the next person can do because we work together. We're a team. I'm going to position myself through my attack to put them in a, in a position where they'll be able to, you know, deliver the killing blow or, or do something really cool. And, and again, you just, that's just not as there isn't as clean a connection between that descriptively and in system I've, that I've, I've never seen. Um, yeah. it, no, I definitely think because even, even in because you can have systems which are way more crunchy and they sure. just get really bogged down and it takes ages. But even in systems which are supposedly more narrative, things like you know Fate and Cortex or Powered by the Apocalypse, their combats aren't quick. You know, your, your combat, in fact, you roll, you miss. I've now got to work out which aspects I can invoke to be able to get extra di- Now I hit. But then you've got to work out a, a, like a complication. Oh, well, when you get damage, oh, I'm going to have to take a complication. I need to name. So that's not quick. And mm-hmm. Cortex isn't because you roll the dice. Oh, do I, do I spend a plot point to take a third dice? Which dice do I use as my effect dice? Now I've got to check on. So people yeah. think that some of these, you know, okay, the systems which are really narrative, um, but they're not even like the Powered by the Apocalypse ones because you roll and usually it's like, right, you've got the middle one. You can take two of these. So they're still, even the narrative systems, they're done in such a way that they have more choices. So they're not, they're not quicker. I mean, that's when people say 5th edition combat is slow. I disagree. I think 5th edition combat is super quick. The thing that kills 5th edition and any other D&D combat is the amount of hit points that monsters have got. Yeah. So you get these huge slogs where you're just slogging your way through a giant thing of hit points. Um, but the actual combat itself you know you can get through round after round relatively quickly um you know something that i i really like uh and it's really the last thing i can think of off the top of my head with with combat is you can you can get around that whole like long hit point slog thing doesn't really exist with the whole five point wound or injury or harm or whatever it's called in each system i mean like if you if you roll well and or spend momentum or by threat, you can you can knock down bigger enemies pretty quickly by doing multiple injuries at once. Yeah. And the fact that like so many games now, I don't and I don't understand why D&D 5th edition dropped this from 4th edition, the minion rule with the one yeah. hit point beastie. I don't understand that. But so many games now have multiple tiers of NPCs that represent, you know, different levels of, of threat from them. And the fact that, you know, you've got troopers or, or 
minions or whatever they're i mean the different different names in this you know you knock them down with one injury and they're gone or it's two injuries or it's you can you can have a big frothy multi-opponent combat that doesn't take all night yeah or you could have a more threatening opponent that your party is smart and spends a lot of momentum or threat and gangs up on and just drops i like that because you you have again you have variety yeah I don't I never like the idea of building the boss fight which turns into if you want to run it as a DM you're really running like one big monster and maybe some really lame little ones or just one big. Yeah. I've never had that in in any 2D20 game. I've always been able to have multiple opponents of different types who do different things and it's all manageable. I think my best I mean the thing that finished off our infinity game is actually the final boss fight was the two players against each other because uh, it was there, uh, there was a bomb and one of the players had got told by their faction to let the bomb go off for reason this is years ago and the other the other person had been told not to let the bomb go off and so at the end of it the guy that was there make it with the bomb he they dispatched him in like no time but then the important thing was then they're both fighting over each other to try and stop the bomb go i think I'm pretty sure the bomb went off and killed a lot of people um, and we stopped the campaign there, but we can come back any time because their 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 personalities are backed up somewhere on the you know the internet or whatever. Um, so we could carry. I don't think we would. I think we went back to Infinity. We do new characters, but that was really cool. Actually, I really enjoyed that. But yeah, the, because we haven't really mentioned it, but that that leads into the other reason. One of the other things I really like about Two D Ten, which is threat. And mm -hmm. now we've got a whole episode on threat, but threat is just cool because it kind of codifies a bunch of stuff you can do as a gm now technically you could just remove the threat spend and here's a list of cool stuff you can do as a gm and like a power by the apocalypse it'd be all like the hard move or the soft move type stuff they have um in other systems it'd be just well you just have gm fear you can just do whatever you want but here it's like it's a mechanism to either my players are taking too many dice i can have i'm there's a consequence to that and my big bad guy's getting his ass kicked, I'm going to help him out. And that's why, you know, like we both said, this is what we tend to do. We tend to save the threat up. And when you go, oh, this combat is going really the wrong way too quickly, right, I'm going to start spending threat on making sure my bad guy's still going to start hitting a bit harder and activating more stuff. And suddenly the player's like, oh. In other systems, you could do that, but you'd be fudging roles or just, you know, I mean, flat out cheating, but is it cheating when it's a cooperative fun game? It's a whole other episode. Um, but like, you know, we've, we've done an episode on threat, but threat is a cool thing that other systems don't have. Loads of systems have things where the players get to do cool stuff. 2D20 is the one where the GM gets to do cool stuff. Yeah, I get to spend my threat on, you know, I mean, you could say it's punishing the players, but that threat came from them. So, and I, like I yeah, said, I don't, the, I don't, I I don't think so. I mean, I, I've heard, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I said the one example I always really liked, and I've not actually seen many examples as good, it was the initial infinity um, like beta testing thing where it had this thing for like, there's a gunfight in a crowded area and you can spend two, one or two threat after a player shoots to have them hit someone in a crowd. Now, again, in other systems, I haven't actually, I haven't seen many systems at all that have any rule for you hit a guy in a crowd behind. Cortex, Marvel heroic role playing, you could have rules in that because you could spend complications as collateral damage. Mm -hmm. um, but this literally codified in the thing, all right, here's a cool thing you do. If a player does X, X, then you can spend threat to do Y. Brilliant. Yeah. 
Um, and then it makes the players think a bit more about what they're doing. Oh, I can't just be going guns blazing and everything. In other systems, that would just be ignored unless you just went, oh, yeah, you hit the guy in the background. Or if they got a bad role, you hit the guy in the background or hit each other, which you my know, guys the, always do. I've heard people say that they, they, they think that threat creates an adversarial environment at the table. I, I disagree completely. I actually find that threat in a way, it, it by providing structure to the GM for coming up with on the fly complicate not complications, but on the on the fly challenges. It um I I it provides structure which actually limits the GM. I mean, you know, I, I've said this before. I mean, if you have a GM who is adversarial, that has nothing to do with the system. That's just yeah. your GM's just a jerk. Um and threat and no mechanic is gonna have anything to do with that. But I think that uh, that threat for me also it's it's the one piece of the system that I feel like I'm continually I continuously have to put effort into because it's the one it's one part of the system that's so different from any other game that I've played it it requires my deliberate attention to go back to to remember to use it uh, but also. I find it as a source of inspiration for creativity. Yes. As like I hear about and I read about other people saying, oh yeah, I spent two threat to create a truth like this, or I use threat in this way. Uh, that actually gives me ideas and examples of not ways to stymie the, 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 the players, but to engage and challenge them in ways that are interesting. So I, I think threat is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's widely misunderstood, but um, but you're right. The players have all these neat things, and here's a neat thing that provides some structure and some inspiration for the GM. I agree completely. Here's something else I love about 2D20 in general, like as an umbrella system. Yeah. It is a coherent core mechanic that the layers around it are different in each game but your movement from game to game is pretty easy. You do have to pay close attention, like, you know, in in, in earlier systems, uh, buying additional dice with momentum was one per. And now the standard <laughs> is one, two, and three. You know, the, the, the cost increases. So there are some subtle differences that you have to pay attention to, especially with momentum. But the core mechanic is the same, and yet the expression of it throughout the game I mean, if you were to take Conan versus Star Trek Adventures, to move from one to the other is not hard. No, but you get a you get a very different vibe at the game, and it's 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 almost like like a universal battery. Yeah, that you can plug into all different kinds of tools and do all different kinds of things, but the battery is the same, and I really really like that, and and it seems like my players have liked that too as we've. We've tried out different things. And then, I mean, I really like, I, I, I'm not into all of the IPs that Modiphius has published, but I like a lot of them. Mm. So that's a, that's a big draw for me as well. Yeah, I think, and also like how narrative they've taken at the far extreme, like Dune, both Dune and Dishonored, where, you know, they don't have combat dice. The rules are much more abstract, like John Carter to some extent, although that still had the combat dice, where John mm. Carter only has five stats and no skills. Might have more than five, but you know, that's it shows how flex, like you said, the core mechanic is the same, but you can go really different ways with that. I mean, I still prefer the Infinity and Conan style 
talent trees. I think mm-hmm. not having those is a big mistake because like you said about the uh, the niche protection, the thing, thing I find that anytime you do not have classes, you're going to have that problem. That's nothing to do. That's not a 2D20 problem. That's a classless problem. Yeah. Um, and the talent trees stopped that being a thing because if you had like, you put all of your points, you, you had lots of different, uh, let's say, fight, you know, the melee talents, then that made you have a certain character. Whereas instead, if you had loads of stealth talents, you were going to have a very different character. The problem I would see in lot, if you played a long campaign in anything, maybe not Star Trek because of the way like the disciplines work, your character's going to feel different. Um, yeah. But something like, like, like Fallout's a really good example. You could start off with Fallout and a lot of the characters will end up seeming very, very samey because you'd have to deliberately choose to, if you can't, oh, this talent's really good. And if you all start picking the same talents and you started bumping the same stats, your characters would end up feeling like similar. relatively similar. Whereas in Conan Infinity, even if you're all like, I'm going to play a warrior, I'm going to play this, because you could pick different talents and you know, then at least that would give you some kind of diversity in your players. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's the case when you've got any kind of classless system. The good thing is coming up with talents is like super easy. And that's why we said, like, you know, doing a doing a superhero system, the different superpowers is what gives you your diversity. So, you know, problem solved. Um, and to some extent in fantasy, you'd have a similar thing. I think one reason fantasy would be difficult is how do you balance the spell casting, you know, against people that yeah. don't cast spells. But. That's the hobgoblin. How do you how do you solve that? But I, I like that your character creation and your character uh, evolution decisions they matter. Yeah. You know, you can, you can make, I, I don't feel like there's any of the game. Now I haven't played John Carter and John, and nor have I played. I mean, I, I ran Dune twice. I ran like two the, the demos, um, one during the beta testing and then one, the, the, the actual released play test. So I don't have a whole lot of experience with that, but I don't feel like there's any system of this that I've played that I haven't been able to make the character that I wanted to make. Yeah. And regardless of how long I played it or not, didn't feel like I couldn't develop my character that way. And when we played, this is a couple of years ago with my previous group, we played Conan for a while. I was a player in it. We had very different characters by the time we were all, you know, it's, it's Conan. We weren't any, there weren't any sorcerers. It was all fighting types. But after several sessions and some experience, like we were all very different, not just in what we could do, but how broad versus narrow of a character they were. We had one one player, she had her barbarian, and her barbarian was like a one-trick pony kill bot. <laughs> and she found ways to make that character like so incredibly good at a, like two things. And she would always figure out how to do those two things. So she's this very narrow, very focused character. And then the rest of us had more broad, to varying degrees, broad-based characters in terms of skills and abilities, things like that. And I I found that interesting. Like you could make a tight niche character or you could make a more broadly competent character. Um, So it's not just, well, each of us can do four things, but each of us does four different things. It's like, no, one of us does one thing and does it incredibly (laughs) well. And the other person can do eight things and I can do four. You know, I like that, that level of, uh, of flexibility and variety in the system as well. I think actually not having classes affords you that degree of flexibility because you're not, you're not stuck in this artificial hallway. That is the class. I mean, there are advantages to that, but I I prefer not. Yeah. I think it's it's funny talking about the IPs. I think, 
there's, there's two things that I have to say about the IPs. One is a good thing. One, and you said this repeatedly, every time they do a different IP, maybe the exception of the, the first one and the last one, there's something different about how this is. There's something in it that makes it cool. So like Infinity had all the hacking and the transhuman stuff, which made then playing in that system feel different. And Star Trek had the uh, the scientific method, which made it feel different. Conan has the like the the displays of power or whatever they're called, which again is like super cool. Um, you know, Dishonored has this really slightly more detailed stealth mechanic. Um, June has its houses. Like the house creation is to me the most interesting thing in June. Fallout has rules for scavenging and things. So I, I love the fact that in every single one of them, they haven't just gone here's our generic rule system, right. uh, here's some extra talents. Because that's what most of them do. If I look at, you know, something like Genesis or Savage Worlds or, yeah, those would be the two main examples. You have your core book and then the extra thing maybe adds, like, you know, some extra races or some extra weapons or it adds extra talents. But that's about it. But you still feel like you're playing the same game. Okay, yeah. here you're playing the same, but your, your attributes are different every time. How you, the, the actual character creation is different because you go through a different archetype thing. Uh, and I still, you know, the original ones had a much more interesting sort of um, pathway system, like going through careers, which I think, you know, I wish they'd bring in more because they were really good. Um, I think the exception to that is Homeworld. Homeworld doesn't do anything new or different or interesting. And if you go back to Mutant Chronicles, other than the fact that at the time, the idea of the combat dice was new and interesting, everything since then has taken what they did in Mutant Chronicles and carried mm. on. So um you know it, if you look at it now it's like oh that's not doing anything it's got the corruption rules but um i really like that i think that's really cool the downside of that is i wish they had best and better ip because some of these ips in a home world is you know this is based on a computer game from almost 20 years ago you know fallout a uh, fallout actually is quite big but like dishonored again there's two yeah. two and a half dishonored games that's pretty that's pretty John Carter is based on a bunch of books from, I don't know what, before World War II. They're pretty old. Yeah. And one film like which century old. bombed, which I loved, but it, you know. It's, Me too. Um, and so a lot of the, some of the, you know, then they've got Star Trek, which is huge. Uh, but it, it seems like some, you know, June, which would, June's pretty big because of the film and stuff. Um, and they also seem to be skewing a bit too much towards sci-fi. Because you kind of go through it, you've got Mutant Chronicles mm -hmm. of Sci-Fi, Infinity Sci-Fi. John Carter, arguably, if you push the Same definition, color. is sci-fi. Yeah. Star Trek, obviously, is sci-fi. June is sci-fi. Fallout is sci-fi. Homeworld is... It's like, can we have however, some... Can we have a bit less sci-fi, please? However, you know, they've got Octone Cthulhu. They're doing this cohorts Cthulhu yeah. thing. Uh, I love that, you know, again, we, we have this core mechanic. You can, you can take that... Your, the understanding is portable. You can buy another one of their games. And this isn't of the system. This is with the system. You know, like th this is what the company has done with the system because of what they can do with, because what they've done to it itself. You know, yeah, whether you like the IPs or not, the nice thing is you can move from one to the next. Yeah. And, and there's some interesting, uh, interesting things. And again, they feel different. There's something about almost all of them as you said, that feels like this, this is how this is supposed to operate because this is how this story and setting is supposed, they're supposed to feel. Mm. And I love that they've made ways to, to, to make the system work in these different, um, these different contexts. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that. I like to, I said it already that 
some of them are going to have more of a narrative bent and we've seen that so like dishonor most of them are you roll you know attribute plus skill that's your two things but we've seen the systems that don't do that because we've seen star trek where you have your disciplines so your yep. roles and then dishonored had had approaches so how you're going to do it as opposed to what you're good at and then june obviously had values so we've seen these totally different ways which is why it's my segue um and then they've given us the srd and the srd is then the thing that really says you know previously the thing about oh i want i want to play such and such a setting oh well none of these quite work well now you can just go and take the srd and go right i'm going to use the srd uh, i'm using this bunch of attributes i'm going to use this amount of skills because in the srd is even clear about well this is how many skills we recommend but if you want yeah. to use more skills this way all right if you now go up to sort of 20 skills then you should change your focuses to be this Yep. But even then, it doesn't say you have to. It's like, you know, you, you can't, obviously well, you don't have to, but that's so clever a... that they explain, the SID says, here's a bunch of options and here's where they will work, which is just awesome. It, it, it literally is now the system you can go, right, what do I want to run something in? We need to be those people on Reddit and RPG.net that every time someone says, what system should I run this in? We go 2D20 and they go, yeah. well, what do you mean? That's not a system. Ha <laughs> ha. Yes, it is. It is now. <laughs> well, here, here's here, here's this. I'll end with this. I think it's a it's a great it's a great core mechanic that has a great number of variations mechanically that build on that. There are some terrific IPs that they produce. So if you want to jump right into something that's already published, you don't have to deal with it. And now that they added the SRD to it, you can then take that core mechanic and all the myriad advice that they provide you for varying the 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 standard system that they present they take the core mechanic and they build a standard system in the srd from it and then they say you could change it in this way and this is what we think would happen so you now have this great flexible core mechanic multiple system variations in nifty ips and the ability to easily take it and do with it as you wish because of the srd and that is why i really think two die 20 is great yeah all those things I'm going to sum it up by coming back to, I think you, you always talk about, you know, uh, this podcast is about story and setting and system, our three S's, which we never refer to as the three S's, but that's what it is. And kind of 2D20 lets you do all of them. It lets you tell a really good story. Okay. The system, it, it, I'm not going to say the system hides our way. Some systems kind of hide in the background and just like play. Okay. 2D20 doesn't do that. It's, it is very meta gamey. True. But you know, it's not metagaming in a bad way. It's metagaming in a good way and that it lets you play the story you're trying to play. And each of the IP things we've got, they've really linked it into those settings. Okay, so it, does, it gives you this perfect combination of, of story and setting. And, and then, you know, the system is letting you do that. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's just a really good system. Like the only thing that's annoyed me like the last year is that, I've been playing in other things because I haven't wanted to play these IP and I've kind of gone off doing anything which isn't like pre, that isn't like pre-written, but I'm, you know, doing my own stuff. Thing. I think I found, I'll finish my League of Legends thing just to finish it. I found a website which literally summarized all of the plot points from this visual like novel thing, which meant I could literally go, oh, right, that's my story. I just cut and paste it. I was I was re watching some videos of it and writing it out and I realized there's just a write up. So it's like, then that's the kind of thing oh, I can run with that. And that's what I'm going to hope to do in the future. Certainly, 
uh, I wish I had more time to do it over the summer, but that's what I'll be working on is I'll be working on things for 2D20 because it's such a good system. And now we have this amazing SRD and I'm excited to actually write stuff, write 2D20 stuff. Hey, and if I make some money out of it. And they're supposed to be releasing that, uh, that agreement or that policy sometime this month, it's supposed to be before the end of this month. I'm, I, I don't mind if they delay it because I haven't started yeah. writing anything yet. So, But it's coming I, soon. I'd like to be there like I was with Cortex, where like there was a point where the only stuff you could buy for Cortex when they released a license was my stuff. <laughs> that stuff still sells, and I'm pretty sure that license isn't valid. <laughs> oh, they just take, they just take it off drive throughs It's like... Yeah, it's true. It's, uh, That's true. But yeah, there you go. Play 2D20. Right. It's Play awesome. 2D20. Have more fun with your, with, your, with your friends, not just alongside them yeah. at the table. Play some great IPs and do your own thing. Yeah. And one thing I would say, if, if, you, if you did play 2D20 back in the day, like you tried to play with Mutant Chronicles or Infinity and Conan, and you found those books quite obtuse and you, you bounced off the system, try again with something newer. For try, sure. Try acting Cthulhu. Do it like you said. Look at one of the newer Star Trek things. Because those initial ones were not, and they probably wouldn't mind saying it, but it's true. They were not well-written. I did not understand some of the initial stuff until sort of my third pass through looking at the different things and putting it together. Uh, and I still don't understand parts of June. But if you look at something like Acton Cthulhu or Homeworld, it's much more clearly explained how, yeah. how it works. Um, or hey, like we said already, check out our Discord and ask us. There we go. Or go to the 2D20 Modifius Discord. Yeah, but you'll get more you 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 you'll get more intimate conversation on our Discord because there are fewer people there. I thought you were going to say expert for a minute, and I was like, "Ooh, amazing conversation!" What, what was it? Someone asked about something where both of us were like, "Yeah, sorry, I can't help you." Well, hey, but I, I'm going to be honest about it. Look, I mean, actually, that's knowing what you don't know and being humble enough to admit yeah. it is. I mean, that's fair. I feel like I could but, help with everything that isn't June. There you go. Yeah. All right. Cool. You said you've got things to do. I definitely yeah. have things to do. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to break and go do them. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F L U F F N C R U N C H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.